This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to Innovation in Compliance. In this podcast series, I will bring you interviews with some of the leading experts who are changing the way practitioners approach compliance. Although the name compliance is in the title, it's really about innovation. And I wanted to drive the conversation about innovation in compliance into the 2030s and beyond with a focus on innovations for the compliance practitioner and the compliance professional. You want to learn how to bring your business into an innovative state and more innovative business solutions for compliance problems, issues, and concerns. This is the podcast for you. Innovation and Compliance is a production of Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, I visit with David C.M. Carter, founder of the IntelliKey Academy. He has one of the most unique and I will say affordable programs for personal growth and development and how corporations can give training, guidance, and leadership to their employees. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and you're in for a treat today because I'm in for a treat. I have with me David C.M. Carter, who has one of the most interesting stories, businesses, tales, whatever we might call it that I've come across. I asked him if he would come on the pod, and he graciously agreed to do so. David, first of all, Welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Tom, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. You have a very interesting professional background, which has led you to where you are today. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Gosh, that could take up the whole interview because I'm 64 and I left school at 18, and I actually had had a couple of businesses before I left school. Oh, I'll just say you're a youngster. Nah, thank you. So the first 10 years of my career after I left school, I worked in corporate finance and investment banking. And I had the fortune of working in seven countries around the world for more than a year and two for six months. And so I ended up learning how to do business in lots of different cultures around the world. And I learned all about how what separates the best from the rest in terms of a market leader in in a, in a sector? What was their business model? What did they have that the competitors didn't have? And that became my fascination about what did that company do or have that the others didn't have? And I called it performance X factor. And after 10 years of a very enjoyable international career, working in lots of industries and lots of companies, helping them grow the business to exit with a flotation or a trade sale. I had a wonderful mentor boss who said to me, young man, record year, record bonus, record everything. I think it's time you moved on. And I said, oh, why do you say that, sir? Knowing he was right. And he said, you're on the wrong side of the table. Stop consulting and financing entrepreneurs, go and be one. And so that was in June of 1988. And so ever since then, I've been self-employed. I've been a serial entrepreneur. The first 10 years, I did two five-year projects where we owned and operated golf and country clubs. And the first one I built up and sold to a trade buyer. The second one I built up and launched on the AIM stock market in London. 
And then I had a rather massive tectonic plate shift in my personal life. And I ended up being a single parent to a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And I couldn't juggle being a great parent and being the CEO of a public company. So I resigned. And whilst I was busy thinking about what to do next, loads of people approached me and said, oh, I'm thinking of going public or I'm thinking of raising money or expanding overseas or doing all the things I'd done in the previous 20 years. And so I started mentoring CEOs whilst I was busy thinking about what I was going to do next. And after a couple of years, having Sunday lunch with my mother and father, who never really understood what I did anyway, but my mum said, oh, it sounds like it's going so well for you. And I said, it is going well, mum, but I really don't know what I want to do next. And she said, oh, I thought this was what you were doing next. And so on the drive home later on that evening, I thought, I'm actually really good at this. I love doing it. It pays the bills and it makes a difference. And unless I wake up in the morning and think of something else, well, I shouldn't do this. Maybe this is what I'm doing next. And 15 years later, I had built up what eventually became the world's leading chief executive mentoring company with offices all around the world and clients all around the world. And I loved every minute of that. But at the end of 15 years, I realized that I wanted to democratize what we were doing for a small number of expensive fee-paying CEOs and cascade it down into the whole organization. And so I resigned and sold my shares in that company and spent the next four or five years. I wrote a best-selling book. I did speaking tours and book tours all around the world and carried on mentoring a whole bunch of really fascinating clients because I was trying to figure out how to do this democratization process. And then four or five years ago, I had an epiphany about how to do it. And so IntelliKey Academy, I always say, is my legacy project because it literally pulls together everything I've ever done in my career into one final last rodeo. And an IntelliKey Academy, which I'm sure we'll unpack a bit more about during the conversation, is the democratization to help everyone in the world become their IntelliKey. And perhaps I could start off by just explaining the word IntelliKey. So Aristotle coined the phrase IntelliKey two and a half thousand years ago. So the IntelliKey of an acorn is an oak tree. The IntelliKey of a caterpillar is a butterfly. And the IntelliKey of Tom Fox is the ultimate version of Tom with all of his potential fully actualized. And so what IntelliKey Academy does is help everyone become the ultimate version of themselves and helps them actualize all of their full potential. And Aristotle coined one other phrase, which is that character determines destiny. And what he meant by that was we all end up in life wherever we end up as a direct function of our character. And so what we help people do is to become their IntelliKey through developing their character. There's three things I want to pick up on from those last remarks. Number one, always ask your mother what you should do because she always knows. Uh, And I find that my mother's 93 and I still get advice. Uh, Number two, that I'm older than you, so I can say this. When we get to our age, you do have the opportunity to put together the sum of your professional life and perhaps even your personal life in a way that you couldn't when you were 25, 45, 55, maybe. And so I'm 
in a little bit of that phase myself, and I really love what I'm doing. And then three, your democratization of these tools, talents, skills, and techniques that you've learned. I'm not going to share with anyone the pricing you list on your website, but all I'm going to say is it's phenomenal. And it really, I think, makes the skills that you bring in the IntelliKey Academy available to literally anyone around the world. So I applaud you for that. And of course, being a Texan, anybody that references a rodeo is a friend of mine. (laughs) So why don't you tell us, let's, as you said, unpack a little bit more of the IntelliKey Academy. What solutions do you employ and how do you make assessments and help people achieve uh, their own versions, best versions of themselves? Okay. So if you talk to any head of HR or CEO anywhere in the world today, they've all got two common problems with their workforce. And they all have this sense that with the workforce they've got, there should and could be a way that they could get them to be a lot more productive. And so the two problems that they've got is they're suffering from a lack of engagement, and that is universal. And the second thing, and they're linked, is that when young people leave college or university and go into the workplace, they're lacking a lot of the work-ready skills that employers erroneously assume people turn up pre-programmed with. And when we show potential buyers the 54 character qualities, which I'll come on to later, they say, why has no one ever thought of this before? Because they're exactly the skills that we expect people to turn up and work for us and have, but they don't. And when we show it to the young people, they're like, why weren't we taught this at college? Why weren't we taught this at university? We were taught all of this technical stuff, but we also needed to be taught how to be organized, disciplined, reliable, efficient, collaborative, analytical, and all these other character qualities. And so immediately the buyer, the enterprise that we work with says, these are the skills that our people don't have that we need them to have. So how how are you going to help us? So there are two parts to the program. The first is a two-month diagnosis, or I like to call it an MRI scan of the entire business in terms of what is the character competence that every individual, every team, every division, every department has today, and what is its entelechy, what is its potential. And so very simplistically, everyone does a 180 and they say of those 54 character qualities, these are the ones I think I'm really good at, my strengths, these I'm so-so at, and these ones I probably need to work on. Then we ask them to do a 360 and get 10 of their colleagues and their boss to also assess them. So now they can compare and contrast, here's how I see myself and here's how everybody else sees me, and there's a delta. And I can see how other people see that I show up in the world. And some of those can be, I I think I'm not very organized. No one else thinks I'm very organized and we're all agreeing on it. So I need to be more organized. Others could be, I don't see myself as particularly collaborative, but everybody else sees me as collaborative. So maybe I ought to own that. And, um, um, And there's 
things that other people say are a strength and but you think is a growth opportunity anyway so that information is there's 15 million data points in a report on one individual we then asked all the company individuals to say here's what i think the strengths and the growth opportunities of the company are today and here's what i'd like to see the strengths being in the future so at the end of discover the senior leadership team get here's everybody's 180 here's their 360 here's how they see the company today here's how they'd like to see the company in the future and here's what we would like to see the company in the future and we can tell you exactly if we were all these 10 character qualities how that would drive our performance productivity profitability and they can put a value on that so then we say if we achieve that for you and it only cost you hundred thousand dollars to do that then you're going to get a 20 times return on investment and no one ever in the training industry looks at return on investment most of people do things because you have to be seen to be doing something but we're like let's do this and get a more profitable business for you and let it be a, a minimum 10 times return on investment so they love it that we're talking about return on investment but they also look at it and think these are exactly the skills that our people don't have that we need them to so how are you going to teach them to those people and that is the second phase which is transform which basically takes you from where you are today to where you want to get to in a year's time and there's three essential ingredients to transform one is you get ongoing constant updates to those data analytics and insights so you can see people's individual progress team progress to move towards the common goals you get some expert facilitation and consultancy from from our team and every single member of staff gets an app which has imported into it their 180 data their 360 data their company now data and company future and a personalized learning journey which has been AI created that says for you, Tom, to get to your IntelliKey and your optimum contribution to this business, you should work on these three character qualities. And then there's a guided learning journey for how you engage on becoming more of this, more of that, more of the other. And so that in a nutshell is what we do. And the price for discover is 50 pounds per person for the for, for that whole diagnosis and it's 150 pounds for the whole year for the app and everything else as well to get everyone from where they are the, to where they want to get to as i said very competitive yeah no, um, and, and if you think of all of the psychometric profiling tools from strengths finder to disc to color insights to myers-briggs or whatever they charge that much for just the diagnosis of a 180 feedback there's no 360 there's no action plan there's no how do you get to optimize your potential so it's cheaper than our perceived competitors and 100 times more powerful i talk to a lot of people in the hr space and almost to a person they say something along the lines of the following that the biggest big business differentiator for corporations by 2030 will be talent acquisition and talent retention because the technical skill level required is so high 
uh, with data analytics or tech tools, whatever it may be, that getting great people and keeping great people will be what makes great corporations. But they don't talk about what you're describing in terms of uh, the character development and the need to have these skills in a rapidly changing business environment. So I was wondering, one, if you agree or what your thoughts might be on the talent acquisition and retention and how can companies or why should companies make this investment that you're providing to them? I think in terms of their existing workforce, this MRI scan is going to tell them like a thousand times more about what they've actually got in terms of skills in their workplace than anything they've ever done before. And on an individual basis, you can say, okay, Tom, you're doing good, but to get you to doing great, let's work on these two or three things over the next 12 months, because that would really help shift your performance. But equally, it would enable me to say, Tom, you are brilliant at this, that, and the other, but really you should be in our marketing team, not in our finance team, because you've got all the character quality strengths that a top performing marketeer. Have you ever thought of marketing before? And you're like, oh, I've never thought about it, but actually I quite like the idea. So we can retain you by developing you and, and bringing you into the best slots in the business. And so over time, what the company will learn is in the export team, we need these character qualities. In the import team, we need these. In sales, that, marketing, that, finance, that, HR, this, whatever. And so they can make sure that they get the right people in the right seats on the bus. But also now, because we know what peak performance looks like in all of those roles, when we're recruiting people, we can send them out our uh, IntelliKey signature widget and they can say to the applicants, please do a 180 and a 360 so we can see your character quality strengths. We've got 100 applicants for this job, but look, four of them map exactly 100% against the skill set that we know our peak performers have in the team that we're recruiting them into. And so you can be much better at talent acquisition. You can be much smarter at retention because you can either get people to up their game and deliver more or move them from that seat on the bus to another seat where they could, could perform better. And every one of the big issues for young people is, I, I want to be developed. And so this allows you to fast track people and, and give people a development program, but you also know what the character qualities are going to be if you move from assistant vice president to senior vice president or in another, we, all of that information is available. So you can really help people do better in their current role and move towards the next role in a much more scientific and thorough way than companies do it today. And so I do agree with you that, and everybody talks about the war for talent and, and in 2030, it's all going to be who you hire, who you retain, who you develop. I mean, that's, by the way, been the same for the last 50 years. That's not going to be new in 2030. And in reading about your show and your audience before the conversation today, I know you've got a big percentage of your listeners in compliance and other legal services. One of the biggest existential threats to your audience is that AI is going to be doing those jobs in six or seven years' time. And it's a real threat, an existential threat to that industry. 
but the people who will be kept on if AI starts to replace lots of people will be the people who've got the human skills that the computer or the algorithm or the AI can't ever compete with. The How do you counsel a company to use the information you're able to develop through these surveys? So you mentioned an example might be you're in finance, but we think you have the character skills to go into marketing. How do you counsel a company to use the information that you've helped develop so that the company can, number one, develop employees, but two, also uh, maximize efficiency and talent skills? Uh At the end of the discover phase, every individual gets a report called a character key. They get a PDF, but there's also an interactive dashboard that they can go into and update on a regular basis. But that tells the individual, here's your 180, here's your 360, here's company now comparison, here's company in the future, and here's your personalized learning journey. They get that. But what the company gets is all of those individual reports, but they can slice and dice all those 15.7 million data points by team, by division, by geography, by gender, by length of service. There's a hundred different and that's called the character kaleidoscope. So they can literally twist the kaleidoscope and say, I'd like to look at it through a gender lens or a diversity and inclusion lens or um, this department versus that department versus this geography versus this seniority. They can actually figure out in a very scientific way what it takes to be a partner, a successful partner or an assistant partner or whatever. And so that data in the kaleidoscope which is constantly updated they could go into it and say next year we're hiring 20 new people four in that team four in that team four in that team four in that team and four in that team let's go and look at those teams and think they've got 30 people in each team who are the top four or five people let's look at their profiles and see what they have got as these character quality strengths that we can then recruit people with those character quality strengths right from the get-go. That will reduce their churn by 50%. I've worked in law firms. I've worked in corporate America. I've worked for myself. And in corporate America, about the only message I got was two messages. One, call us if you need us, but really don't bother. And two, do good work, work hard, and don't bother us. How do you get from that type of corporate mentality approach to the de really type of granular development that you're just answered about from the corporate side of things? I think perhaps the honest answer is that a company that had the attitude that you just described probably doesn't really care much about their people or, and so they're probably not going to be a customer of ours. And so we're not for everybody. You've got to want to know what you've got under the bonnet, how you can fine tune it, how you can develop it. And you've got to be clear that you are a people business and you love your people and you want to look after your people and develop your people. And unless that's your cultural mindset and you're just hiring people to shut up, sit in the corner and get on with your job and don't bother us, we're probably not for you because that sort of company's now, that sort of company probably won't be around in 10 years' time because they're going to get eaten for breakfast by people who do wake up to the threat of AI and 
hire the right people that they do need humans to do the work and i can remember oh my gosh this must have been i'm dreading to think maybe it could have even been 40 years ago i can't remember exactly maybe 35 years ago and this was before the internet before mobile phones and everything probably even before fax machines i can't remember but i went to see a an insurance broker and it was a, a big corporate finance deal we were looking at and i was maybe early 30s and he was early 60s and and he was like the young man because i asked him what his internet strategy was and he said you know, let me tell you this internet thing is just never going to take off we've been doing insurance broking like this for 120 years we're a fourth generation family business and of course he didn't want to know about the internet and of course three years later they got bought for a quarter of the value they could have sold out a few years before and were bought up by an internet insurance broking company and so if you want to keep your head in the sand and just say oh this stuff it's not going to affect me or bother me i'm just going to carry on doing the things the way i am then good luck to you but if you want to actually embrace what's going on and use it in a powerful way i would say we use ai to develop human intelligence we're almost like part of the resistance we're helping people to make sure that they are still valid and, and, and employable because they can do things that AI and computers can't do. Let me change the subject just a little bit because I wanted to ask you a few words about your book. And why did you write the book? And what was the reception literally across the world? Gosh, let me try and make this story a bit short. So one of my friends, and I used to call him my tormentor, was a he's Australian, but he lives in Cincinnati. His name's Matthew Kelly, and he had been a prolifically successful writer. I think he'd written nineteen books that had sold more than a million copies, and one book had sold nineteen million copies. And as you were kindly saying in the introduction, I've led an interesting life. And he used to, "Hey, mate, you got to write a book. You got to write a book." And I was like, "No, I'm going to write a book." And I ended up having a fairly significant major operation in my neck. I had some blocked nerves. And so I ended up having to have this surgery and I had to spend five weeks on the sofa at home. Couldn't go out. Anyway, a day after I got home from hospital, I had a, a Zoom call with Matthew and he said, ah, now's a good time to write that book, mate. You said you can't go anywhere and do anything. So... And I thought about it for about an hour. And I thought, you know what? I'm literally got cabin fever. I'm going to get bored out my brain. So maybe I'll have a go right to this book. So the next morning I got up, got out of bed and started bashing away. And that took uh, me 11 days. And I literally didn't stop for 11 days and just poured it all out. And at the end of 11 days, I think I'd written 120,000 words and I was exhausted. And so I took the next day off. And the next day I read everything that I had written. And I thought, you know what, there is a book in here. And if I only make two copies of it, or three, actually, I initially said, one will be for my daughter, one will be for my son, and one to get Matthew off my back. And one of my best friends is a lady called Jenny, and she'd worked with me for many years, and she lives in Sydney in Australia. And I, and in, in her early career she'd been a personal development book editor i said hey jenny have a look at this thing i've written and tell me if you think there's a book in there so a few days later we had a capture she said oh it's brilliant we can edit this into a good book 
So I flew her over from Australia. We spent two weeks editing it all and tidying it all up. And that was it. So I got five copies of the book printed. And on the front, it says to Rosie and Tom, my children, gave one to Rosie, one to Tom, one to Jenny who'd helped me edit it, sent one to Matthew and kept one for myself. Job done, written my book. And what I didn't know was that Matthew sent the book that I'd sent him off to his publisher. And they gave me a call and basically said, look, we love your book, we'd like to publish it. And it got published. It's ended up selling in 138 countries around the world. It's a bestseller because it's hit the best-selling target. And I've got, I think, last count was about 1,388 emails from people around the world in all these different countries telling me how the book's changed their life or this chapter or this idea or whatever. And on the back of the book, I did probably two years of book tours and speaking tours and all that and then i did three years on the bbc not talking about the book but doing the newspaper review and so it's been a passport to amazing meetings with fascinating people who've been very generous enough to share one little story about how something i'd said had changed their lives to the better and and so the real gift to me was I think all the quality conversations with the quality people around the world who were touched and moved by it in some small way. So that's been the real gift of it. And all the pro- all the proceeds from the book I gave to charity, thinking it wasn't going to do as well as it did. My daughter kept teasing me and saying, hey, Dad, you should have left that money to us, not given it to charity. But anyway, yeah, it's been... And the funny thing was, I think I wrote the book 11 years ago now, and I got a statement through from the publishing house with your royalty check and all the rest of it. And I read this thing. I thought, oh, my God, this got published 10 years ago. And so I, when I went on holiday a few weeks later, I actually took my own book and read my own book to see if 10 years later, if I would have changed anything or done anything differently and all the rest of it. And probably 95% of it, I thought, no, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm really happy with and I actually really enjoyed reading my own book. It was quite funny. But there were a few things in it I thought, not that I'm ever going to write an update to it, but how interesting in the last 10 years, now I perhaps might do that differently or answer that slightly, the twist or nuance difference. But it's been a lovely thing to do because of the quality people and the quality conversations that it's enabled me to have which has been a real gift and you know because of zoom and things like that when you get an email from someone they could be in anywhere around the world and you end up thinking, oh, that's a nice comment i'd love to have a zoom and catch up with you and and they're like really i never even expected you to reply to my email oh, i'd love to hear more than what you wrote in your email and so i've had hundreds not hundreds hundred and 30 or 40 conversations with people around. They've been real gifts. And, and some of them I've met up with two or three times and half a dozen when they've come to the UK on holiday or business, I've ended up meeting them for a coffee or a drink or a, a lunch or something. It's been amazing. David, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, the IntelliKey Academy, or really any of the topics we've touched on and certainly your book, what would be the best place or places for them to go? Um, if anybody would like to contact me directly, the best way to do that is through LinkedIn. There's only one David CM cards are on LinkedIn. So if you could provide them with a link to my LinkedIn, my personal LinkedIn, that'd be great. And Telekey Academy has got a fantastic 
LinkedIn uh, account where we publish white papers and thought leadership and all sorts of research all about character and becoming a company of character. And and there's the Intelliki Academy, Intelliki.academy website as well. David, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me and I hope we can continue this conversation. Tom, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. It's been a delight to chat with you and look forward to hearing from any of your audience who want to find out about becoming a company of character and figuring out if we can help them become that. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Innovation and Compliance. I've linked to David's profile on LinkedIn as well as the IntelliKey Academy. Uh, You should check it out. It's got some great resources. And if you're looking for a way to assess your own potential and help grow professionally, or you'd like to have some of your employees uh, be involved in that process, it will be a great resource for you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. Innovation and Compliance is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.